Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Are You a Fan? If you like the episode, give us a like, share, follow, and uh, you know what? Tell a friend or two. Okay, so uh, I know we've been on a bit of a kick with the whole Marvel thing, but we're switching it up this week, and we're going to see if you can guess it. Pretty easy question for you, Joker, and the audience. Set. If you could be Batman with a mech suit, would you? Heck yeah. It, honestly, if I didn't have to be as crazily in shape and trained as him, and I could still fight close to his level, heck yeah. Oh, God, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Especially, okay, so that brings us in this week's character, who arguably I think has one of the coolest mech suits just because of... That mech suit's got a lot of cool features. Oh, yeah. Especially for his, like, skin type. We're covering Batman, a.k.a. Terry McGinnis. Batman Beyond. I, I can't do techno music. I was like, honestly, one. out of all the Batmans we could have done, I'm more excited about this one than doing Bruce Wayne. Because I feel like just Bruce Wayne is so overhyped. Yeah, I mean, we did, uh, for those of you wondering, we have done an episode on Bruce Wayne, but we went Golden Age Bruce Wayne. And, uh, and honestly, pretty cool episode. Go check it out. It's on our uh, page. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, real World. Uh, Terrence, also known as uh, Terry McGinnis, is a fictional superhero appearing in media published by DC Entertainment. The character was created by Bruce Tim and Paul Dinney. Bruce, Tim. (laughs) And first appeared in the pilot episode of the AMA television series Batman Beyond, which ran from 1999. Oh, wow. It started in 1999? Honestly, up until we did this, I forgot it was that old. Yeah, I mean, I knew early 2000s, but I didn't think it started before. I thought, like... 03, 04 at earliest. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Oh, cool. Older than I thought. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, 1999 to 2001. Voiced uh, by... Terry could legally drink right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. No. Uh, voiced by Will Friddle. Friddle? I'm sorry, Will. You got a weird last name. <laughs> Who don't? <laughs> okay. So, McGinnis was created for the Batman Beyond Animated TV series as a continuation of Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures, originally meant as a character for the DCAU, which is the DC Animated Universe. So, all their TV shows that were connected. Mm, that's that's which, what this was originally supposed to be for. Which you got you to admit, like, back then, you know, Stack Shock, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Batman, all those shows, like, how they were interconnecting them. Where'd they drop the ball with the live action? Because they did so well back then. See, it's kind of like the discussion that has come up over the last, like, decade of Marvel does great at movies, iffy at TV shows, DC's great at TV, horrible at movies. <laughs> Apparently. So like they, they each have their strength. And yeah, DC has always been their cartoon shows. Oh, yeah. Individual movies, I'll give DC credit. Like, like standalone movies, killer. <laughs> their, their attempt to connect it all? Horrible. Oh. Okay. Uh, so for a long time, he was not considered a character for the main DC universe. Uh, Countdown would... Countdown? Okay, Countdown would introduce Earth-12, an alternate universe, with this version of Terry McGinnis and other uh, Beyond-like characters. Okay, cool. Uh, Nice way to slowly introduce it without, you know, truly taking over the continuity. Yep. 
And so Superman slash Batman comic book number 22 um, in 2005, which predates the Superman Batman annual number four, uh, was the first comic to depict McGinnis as an existing in the future of Batman, the characters of the mainstream comic uh, book DCU. Okay. I'm noticing some. I'm noticing smart moves here in that. As far they, as like, they really did a good job at how they placed him in. Yeah, subtly bringing him in so that way when he's fully brought in, the fans aren't like, "Where the heck did this guy come from?" Yeah, beautiful man. What you guys? You guys have fallen from grace. <laughs> so in Batman issue number seven hundred, Terry's mentor is not Bruce. Oh. But Damian Wayne, who had become the third Batman after Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. In other words, Terry would be the fourth Batman. Okay, that's what I was uh, referring to before we started this when we were talking about it. Makes sense. That's the story arc I remembered. But, yeah. Proceed. So in the 2010 story, Superman Batman Annual Number 4, Return of the DCAU Terry story, as later did the 2011 Batman Beyond miniseries. From 2012, DC began publishing three Terry-related comic books, Batman Beyond and Justice League uh, Beyond, most prominently, uh, through the char- though the character also appears in Superman Beyond. Well, Beyond stuff. Never heard about the Superman Beyond or the Justice League Beyond. I'm kind of curious now. I'm a little curious because I don't... I. I don't think I've heard of those ones. And that says a lot if you haven't heard of them. Yeah, because it's one of those, I haven't read all the comics, but I've heard of a majority of them at least. Yeah. And that I keep up with what what's going on. Uh, so, okay. We, we might have to check those out. So, uh, Terry officially entered the mainstream DC continuity in the 2014 New 52 Maxi Series. Maxis. That's a weird word. Maxi series? Yeah. The new 52 Future End. It has since then produced two separate comic book series. The first in 2015, where Tim Drake has replaced Terry as Batman, and the second one in 2016, as part of DC Rebirth, where Terry has become Batman once again. Yeah, yeah, that's 52s, man. I. (laughs) I do kind of like, though, what the stuff that it did spawn off. True, it did. Because it is kind of cool to think about as a Tim Drake as another Robin taking up the mantle of the bat. I will say the 52s, as overarchingly bad as they were, they did do some amazing things. I'm glad kind of stuck around after oh, they got yeah. rid of it. But they did make some good some good altercation alterations that uh, did stick around after they got rid of the rest of the pile. <laughs> So let's get into in-universe. Take us away. So during her encounters with the Justice League, Amanda Waller particularly developed an admiration for Batman and came to believe that someone like the Dark Knight would always be needed. While watching Batman age, Waller would realize that he wouldn't be around forever and the Dark Knight would either have to retire or be killed at some point. Which amazing at that... At a later age, it's amazing he didn't get killed. Dude, honestly, yeah. Like, that guy flirted with death, like... You'd think he was Deadpool the amount of times he flirted with death. <laughs> right. And you know it's never good when Amanda Waller's involved. Nope. Not. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I wanted to say she has the she has the best interests at heart. <laughs> 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 no. Okay, so uh, drawing on her old uh, Cadmus contacts, Waller began Project Batman Beyond. 
a scheme to give Batman a genetic son who would likewise be compelled to take up a life as his successor. You know... Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I remember the Justice League uh, cartoon and that when they do the the Batman Beyond, like him figuring it out. And man, well, I was like, one hard to get, get a piece of his DNA and they left it all over town. And you know, just like them picking up his, basically going over the napkin, just like, he's, my God, how is he not dead yet? There's <laughs> enough blood to kill a cow. It, what cracks me up, though, is like, arguably, I'm just shocked he didn't have a kid already. And that, like, he's a playboy billionaire philanthropist. <laughs> Words. That was great. <laughs> How do you not have a son? Okay, moving on, I guess. That's a continuity <laughs> error that, you know, whatever. After obtaining a sample of Batman's DNA, a young couple was later found that were almost identical uh, physiological matches to Batman's father and mother, Warren and Mary McGinnis. Yeah, that's also kind of similar to last week's episode with some weird wording on that. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. Warren and Mary McGinnis were almost identical to Batman's parents. Huh. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. From what I remember, that's pretty accurate. Okay. So during apparent routine flu inoculation, Warren was actually administered a nanotech solution that overwrote his uh, reproductive DNA with Bruce Wayne's. A year later, Terry McGinnis was born as a genetic son of Marion Bruce, which at a certain point, because of the way the kid, kid looks compared to his father and mother, is one of those like, hey, uh, what's... What's up with our kid? What's up? I actually watched a video up on this, and that when it came up about that, they're like, yeah, they should have figured something was wrong when the kid came out black-haired and both his parents are redheads. Yeah. I was like, there is a problem here. And I think that, I think it said they did kind of question it, but they didn't really push on it. Huh. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Jerry. 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 <laughs> So, as genetics were not enough, a factor were not enough of a factor in creating another Batman. Waller would later hire an assassin to murder McGinnis's parents at the same age, and under very similar circumstances as his predecessor, to try to recreate these conditions. Like we said, anything involving Waller's not good. <laughs> yeah, no, she'll go there. She tried. So, the hired assassin, Wayne's former romance, Andrea Baymont. Recognized what the mur uh, murders had done to Wayne and subjecting another child to the same horror would be hypocritical for their cause. Be uh, ba I literally just well, said. It's a Beaumont. Beaumont heavily re reasoned with Waller with the, with the later realizing she had crossed the line, so she canceled the project. Which I do like that Waller did realize, like, if she was going to do this, she had to stick to Batman's yeah. code, basically. Like... It because to do to do this already would just taint the entire process of what she wanted. Well, then I feel like a big reason it happened was because Beaumont, who was also the the Phantasm. Yes, I remember that. I but I think that's what really pushed Waller. It wasn't even that she realized, is that she really listened and was like, okay, you might be right. It did really mess up Bruce. 
Yeah, I remember when uh, when that I was an saw amazing movie. Oh yeah, amazing movie. But I remember in that Justice League episode and that went show. I was like, I was like, oh my! <laughs> I I squealed. I squealed when I saw that that was the assassin. Oh yeah. <laughs> so okay. So sometime after his brother was born and his parents divorced, McGinnis turned to be a juvenile delinquent with Charlie Big Time Bigelow. <laughs> I think someone was a wrestling fan at the time. With a Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> oh my god, yes. So, and then uh, he would also become a member of a street game run by Bigelow and, his ha- and had his fair share of run-ins with uh, the Gotham PD in his early teens and even serving a three-month stint in juvie. Which, from what one of the videos I watched, like pretty much the only thing that stopped him from going to prison or like full-on jail was just his age. Oh, wow. Like That was the only thing that really stopped it. Because if I remember correctly, like he was like 16, 17 or something when he technically started becoming Batman. Like, he started pretty young. Yeah, he was in high school. Yeah. Nah, I, re- I remember that. Okay, well, lucked out on uh, that. Uh, as he returned to high school, however, he shed some of his worst habits and acquired Donna Tan as a girlfriend. McGinnis still had trouble relating to his father, Warren, accusing him of being irresponsible. On what proved to be the last night of Warren's life, McGinnis stormed out of the house after an argument. Some some real Spider-Man vibes there oh with Uncle Ben. Oh my God, yep. <laughs> I, mm, I'm having some flashbacks, man. <laughs> so while defending Dana from another street gang, McGinnis found himself being chased by them to the outskirts of Gotham City. He would flee onto the grounds of Wayne Manor, where an aged Bruce Wayne would appear and assist him in defeating the Jokers. Because, yes, that was a gang at the time. Yep, which kind of <laughs> makes sense. Joker was pro- prolific enough that after his, uh, po- his, his supposed death, his supposed death and that, there's going to be copycat like gang people. Oh, yeah. Pick it up. Also, old Bruce Wayne can still freaking uh, bring oh, he, he whooped the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. Old man still got some moves. So a strain, the strain of the fight placed substantial stress on Wayne's heart, and he collapsed. Terry helped Wayne into the mansion and then stumbled upon the entrance to the Batcave. Of course. Yeah, which was very ironic because it was a bat in the uh, old man clock. I remember that scene. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll get you out. Just don't bite me. Right. <laughs> So, Bruce would then kick Terry out, but Terry would return home to find it covered in Joker's graffiti and discover his father had been murdered. I remember that. That yeah. was sad. It, it was a rough start to this show. It really... They did not hold back with that start. Even the Spider-Man uh, cartoons kind of ease you into the flashbacks of Uncle Ben. Yeah, the... The good old 90s DC shows. Yeah, they did not care. <laughs> They're like, we're going to try, we're going to make some of our own Bruce Wayne's. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so grief stricken, Terry looked through his father's belongings and found a disc that Warren had taken from his employer, Derek Powers, the new head of Wayne Powers. Realizing there was more to his father's death, death than first appear, appeared. Terry rushed back to Wayne Manor and demanded to be let in. Do you remember correctly in the show? It was like raining too. Yep. It was that old like cliche of let me out of the rain. (laughs) So as Bruce would examine the disc in the Batcave, Terry noticed the latest generation Batsuit Wayne had used before retiring. 
The disc revealed that Powers was making deadly nerve gas to sell the government of Kosnia, but Bruce uh, refused to get involved and ordered Terry to go to the police. Because, you know, at that point, Bruce knows he ain't going to be able to keep up with it. Yeah. And there's, and there's no point in him trying to get involved with government-level conspiracies. Also, from what I could tell and what I remember, uh, Bruce was a pretty broken man at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, this, this was a Bruce who literally... This wasn't the Bruce who the mission came first anymore. This was the Bruce where he had lost the mission. He and, really did at that point. And he didn't believe he could ever get, like continue on and nobody yep. should so it, it makes sense because some of you out there being like bruce wouldn't say that it's like oh, he was pretty broken at this point yeah but we about to change that on the way terry encountered powers himself who knew the disc had to be somewhere and it w- had been taken terry managed to escape from him however and ran off so close call but he got out only to immediately throw himself back in the fire because he returned to Wayne Manor and tie up Ace, which was Bruce's dog, uh, and he would steal the bath suit. <laughs> no, that was uh, Dick. Yeah. Well, that was Dick and uh, Damien. No, uh, Red Hood. Jason. Oh, yeah. You know who? You know, took the tires off. Stole the tires off, of the, tires <laughs> off the Batmobile. <laughs> so yeah, he would return to Wayne Manor, tie up Bruce's dog Ace, and steal the bat suit. So when Bruce discovered the theft. He admonished Terry through the suit's communicator, but Terry was adamant on confronting Powers. Bruce would retaliate by shutting the suit down. Unfortunately, it was in the middle of a confrontation with Powers' security guards. Because, you know, Bruce didn't have great timing. Yeah. Except for when he wanted to be dramatic entrance. <laughs> <laughs> he's old. He's, a, he's rusty. He, he ain't got his old timing back. He need- oh, but that was the only time he was ever, you know good on time. It was when to be dramatic, have a dramatic entrance. Other than that, though, he was never good at timing. Ah, fair. Okay. So Terry pleaded with Bruce for a chance to prove himself and, and persuaded Wayne to reactivate the suit and let him carry on as Batman for the time being. Bruce's decision resulted in Terry sabotaging powers operation. The stores, uh, the stores of the chemical weapons, were lost in the Gotham River along with Mr. Fix, Powers' henchman and Warren's murder. While Powers himself was inadvertently exposed to his own weapon and became Blight. Which, honestly, I think he made a great villain. Oh, yeah. And not only was he just a great villain, but he was also Terry's first. Yeah. Like, his first nemesis. It was like the Joker, the Batman. It was. I still love the line of, like, you killed my father. Do you have any idea how little that narrows it down? Yeah. I was like, sadly, this is the most iconic line out of that show. Right? So, uh, convinced that there was still a need for a Batman, Bruce would visit Terry early one morning at their home, and under the pretext of paying back a previous act of kindness, would hire Terry as his personal assistant. Because, you know, that'd be a great way to, you know, have a kid over your house. Kind of like the whole Tony Stark uh, and uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, wonder where wonder where they got that idea in the MCU. Oh, I'm pretty sure we got an idea. <laughs> so Terry would uh, run various errands and take care of various tasks for Bruce in his civilian identity. 
In part, this was a cover for secretly training him as Gotham's new Dark Knight. Terry's job also allowed him to earn much-needed money to help support his family since his father's death. And that's one thing I will say that, like, they kind of showed the home life. Like, after the dad died, Terry yeah. kind of had to step up. I do kind of want to know how much uh, Bruce was paying him. Just out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> you know, I'm a little curious now, too. Uh. <laughs> so, Terry quickly found himself walking in the footsteps of a mentor in many ways. Like his predecessor, Batman amassed his own rogues gallery of villains. Including, as we mentioned, Blight, the shape-shifting, uh, or shape-changing Ink, and the Royal Flesh Gang, along with many, many others. Yeah, honestly, some of the villains in that series I really did like. Oh, yeah. Though, I, I feel, weren't the Royal Flesh Gang a, a, even one that Batman dealt with? Uh, like, Bruce Justice Batman? League, Justice League dealt with them. But but that was during the time Bruce was Batman, yep, though. Yep, 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 Justice but, League. So, like, Bruce, that's the yeah. only one that really translate into the future which if i remember correctly in the future and that like totally fully different group who uh because like that was the ace psychic girl was the original part of the original group that which still kind of cool though to see that like you know (laughs) there was still at least something kind of tying the two batmans together yeah being it was the the royal flush gang that was pretty cool i did like that oh they also he also fought mr freeze in an episode that's right. When they turned him hu- when they finally had the cure to turn him human. That's right. They did. Which oh, such a sad episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's uh move on and not cry. <laughs> At one time Terry also found himself taking after his mentor and getting entangled without meaning to with a woman who was in reality a criminal. Melanie Melanie Walker, who was the daughter to the leader of the Royal Flush Gang. After this encounter, Bruce relate, related uh, by telling Terry of his own complicated relationship with Selena Kyle. Uh, yeah, no, no, Batman. Selena Kyle was not the only villain that he had a relationship she with. She was either. just the most calm or the most prevalent. Yeah, I'd the say one he ju- always went back to. Definitely the most iconic and the most like hit, the one he had the longest and that. But I also remember Razzle well, Ghoul's daughter. Now they're married. Oh yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, fo- folks, uh, that is it for In-Universe. Now let's get to Powers and Abilities. I'm excited because this suit's got a hat. I remember it had a multitude of little gadgets. Oh, yeah. And this is also, as a forewarning, or I guess a, a forenote a for the abilities and equipment, he pretty much has all the normal equipment Batman had. All right, like, fair. His suit was the only major equipment wise difference yep which the suit itself like that that's <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of more like like i remember it had a bunch of different like cool features yep. to it. okay so while not possessing anything close to bruce wayne's years of training and martial arts terry mcginnis was an able street fighter and an agile gymnast before taking up the batman mantle which helps definitely <laughs> you know the second part almost makes you think that he uh did you watch uh, some Dick Grayson? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool if they tied that in somehow oh, at some yeah. point. So initially, uh, bat, uh, initially the Batsuit gave him several advantages in battle, including flight, enhanced strength, and protection from attack. However, he engaged in regular 
and uh, rigorous training to ensure he did not become completely dependent on it and soon developed an Olympic level physique and lightning quick reflexes. And when it says strength, like he's able to lift up like a boulder or a car with this suit. Like it was nuts. Yeah. It's not just like, it's just not peak human strength. It's gives him almost superhuman. Oh yeah. So Terry also extensively studied Bruce's crime fighting archives to develop his skills at medicine, mechanics, and investigation. Though he was not familiar, uh, formally trained as a detective, he had above average intelligence and often made in intuitive leaps that surprised his mentor. And you know that's got to be something big if it surprises Bruce. Oh, if Bruce is impressed in that, then that's impressive. Okay, uh, probably his most important strength was the realization that he did not have to be just like the old man, which came from Amanda Waller in her old age, telling him, basically being like, you don't have to be like him, man. You're not him. Exactly. Like, be your own man. And that was definitely, like like it said, that was his biggest strength. Oh, yeah. Because once he learned to be Batman in his own way, he really didn't need any help. Yeah, he, He, he just took over and ran with it. Which I think is the problem with any men, with anybody trying to become the their mentor, and that's oh, realizing yeah. like I am not this person. I am my own person. And I will do it my way. Yep. Okay. Uh, take it away, Joga. So in other media, his DCAU tie-in comics, um, in addition to having his own ongoing comic book, The Tomorrow Night made an appearance in Superman Adventures number sixty-four. Uh, flashbacks. Superman sixty-four. Came <laughs> <Game> about race. <laughs> So, chasing a a futuristic version of Brainiac. Uh, In TV, he had made a guest appearance in Batman Beyond spinoff series, The Zeta Project, which I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. I I vaguely remember, figured it out when I looked it up. I was like, "Eh, I kind of remember this, but I I don't. I liked that one. That one was a good one. I, I liked it. So, he also appears on Static Shock in the episode Future Shock, which involved the time travel and future static. I remember that. Uh, he later appears in three episodes of the Justice League, uh, JLU, uh, including the episode Epilogue, which is centered on him and takes place in, the, in his timeline, serving as the series finale to the Batman Beyond. Yeah, I remember. Uh, actually, we've brought that up <laughs> several times in this episode. Yep. Yeah, I think that was because they didn't really... Yeah, no, they, they were finishing the Batman Beyond series yet when they finished the season. Like, oh, we can't really, we don't really, aren't allowed to go any further, so we'll tie it off in the Justice League. Which, honestly, I appreciate. Yep. So he also makes a cameo in Batman the Brave and the Bold. He would appear in the DC Nation short adaptation of Batman Beyond during the 75th anniversary celebration for Batman. Uh, and a wallpaper of McGinnis as Batman is shown in Nightwing's house in the animated series Teen Titans Go, although it makes no physical appearance. Hmm. He does have a couple video games. Uh, his advanced outfit has been featured as a downloadable or pre-order bonus content in Batman Arkham City, and in Batman Arkham Knight as a secondary variant outfit. It is also available in Injustice Gods Among Us. Yep. I do remember the one in Arkham City. Same. Because I, I think I played with that for a little bit. <laughs> but it just didn't feel the same as having a cape. Yeah, nah. Not for those not for those games. Nah. So Terry McGinnis also appears via downloadable content as a playable character in Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham. And Batman Beyond Return of the Joker for Game Boy Color, PlayStation, and Nintendo 64 followed the movie of the same name. I remember that one. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah, it wasn't great. 
it definitely it, it was one of those like I remember when I first bought it, I was like this is gonna be awesome I play I'm like what is this what is this Super Nintendo <laughs> like dang yeah they, they weren't so great on the games Okay, so uh, folks, that's it for uh, this week's character, Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask my co-host, Joker, you a fan? Definitely. I I definitely always liked him as a kid. And I've still gone back to a series multiple times as an adult. Like, it's just a great show, and it's awesome seeing another person be underneath the mantle of Batman. Oh, yeah. I still, I I on occasion still will rewatch that show. And that gr- amazing show, loved it, loved the character. And you know what? I'm a fan too. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails 